I would say avoid a company where the incurred claim ratio is has increased a lot suddenly or is mm. consistently high. Then you are in trouble. Then they will have to charge you more and more. The premiums the will become more and more expensive. So so I would say look for a player uh, with reasonable experience and not too much market share. If the if the person has got low market share. I mean, it can't be so low that they're going to shut down. But reasonable experience, they, they have to be around for about 10 years or so. So they're not going to go anywhere suddenly. And not too much market share, then you the benefits will stay for a long time. This is that Offspin original you've all been waiting for. It's time for Let's Get Rich with Patu. Week 10 here on Let's Get Rich with Patu. Uh, of course, we haven't moved from last week. This is part two of what we recorded last week. Uh, a very fiery discussion on medical insurance um, and how there's so many questions that keep popping up. So we ended last week's episode on this entire term of cashless, right? Patu, if I can continue from that uh, thread of thought, are cashless policies preferable are there even non-cashless policies available and should people opt for one over the other for any particular reason? No, all policies uh, do have the cashless uh, benefit. But like I said, it's not a right. And there can be situations where the cashless is denied. But that doesn't mean the claim is denied. Um, they will say, I will not give you the cashless. You pay the hospital bill first and then uh, apply for reimbursement with us. And that's absolutely legal. And there's not, not a thing that we can do about it. If the insurer uh, finds something out of the ordinary, either in what the hospital says with, the, with respect to the estimate of the, uh, you know, of the bill or with respect to our policy details, the history that we have declared to the insurer, etc., etc., they can always say, we're not going to give you the cashless, apply for reimbursement and then we will consider it. And there's not much we can do about it. There are many people who argue um, that going for reimbursement is better than applying for cashless because there is the argument that when you go to a hospital and say, I want to apply for cashless, the first thing they will ask you is, how much is your insurance um, uh, you know, limit? If it's 10 lakhs, then people assume that the hospital can happily charge up to 10 lakhs. Um, and therefore, they're going to make you go through all sort of unnecessary tests and examinations and so on. So uh, that is not really true. It, it can't be done because um, uh, if the hospital tries to do that, the insurer will resist. In fact, a few years back, there was a big tussle and many ho uh, hospitals were out of the network coverage. They did, uh, stopped taking on insurance. Uh, so uh, things have normalized a bit now and so the uh, it's more streamlined. So if you have a cashless benefit, go for it without thinking. It's the most smoothest that you can think about. Uh, in fact, I, I've just did my mother's cataract surgery uh, in the past two months, one for first for her left eye and then for her right eye. Yeah, all I had to do was uh, do the KYC, that is the know your customer um, details, uh, give it to the um, uh, hospital they will submit it to the insurer and i got a 
uh, as SMS and an email at the end of the day saying it's it's approved. The cashless benefit is approved. So you have to go get the surgery done. And after that, the hospital will take care of all the processing. You, you can go out. And all you need to pay is the non-medical expenses uh, that I talked about last episode. And that's it. It's as smooth uh, as one can imagine. It is, otherwise, you have to shell out the money from your pocket. And the paperwork will kill you. It's a mountain of effort. First, you have to send in all the uh, you know, discharge summary, this and that and so on. Then they will send you uh, queries and then you have to go to the hospital, get uh, get paper, case, case uh, internal case papers. For that, you have to pay to the hospital and uh, then courier it back and so on. So it's a, it's a pain. I mean, uh, when you have cashless, take it with both arms. Uh, if they don't give you cashless, don't fret about it. Uh, you are, then you are in for this long road. That's all. And have you heard of instances where despite having cashless, even at admission, you have to pay some money? Because I've been through that with my parents. Thankfully, I don't remember the last time I was hospitalized. But uh, there is also a deposit you have to pay even though you have cashless. Or have I got that wrong? Yes, there is a deposit you have to pay. But it's a it's a, a reasonably small amount because uh, the hospital, there's a small, there can be a time delay between getting the cashless approved. There can be back and forth between the hospital and the insurer. So to cover these expenses and also to ensure in the case where the cashless is denied, the hospital has some money to begin with. There is a deposit always necessary, but uh, that's reasonable. And like I said, uh, insurance uh, and emergency fund, they go together. You can't separate them. So you need to have that ready. Well said. So uh, putting the entire cashless discussion aside, but to any other important fine print details about insurance policies that we should know about carefully and conversely are there any that we should just totally disregard which people talk a lot about so um i have a list of unnecessary features so anything sure, let's so ta tackle that yeah so if you let's say you go to the insurer's website and you go to the product page and you will you will see in bold font this policy offers this benefit x benefit y benefit you can safely ignore it. Uh, any of these, most of those benefits are unnecessary. For example, um, some of the benefits like people want maternity benefit. I mean, how many children are you going to have anyway? Right? I mean, inflation is the best contraceptive. Uh, I, so most people <laughs> are not going to have more than two kids, right? So, right. and you're going to have a, this health insurance policy for 30 years, 40 years. And the, uh, if you say I have maternity benefit, that's going to load your premium, and it's going to load your premium for all those thirty years and forty years. Whereas you're but not going to have maternity children benefit? for the next. Is it that, that window is very all expenses for your uh, say it's your delivery, C-section, hospital hospitalization is paid for. What else could yes. maternity mean? Yes, yes, that's it. That's it. That's so what it means. You're and saying in a regular policy that's, that's not covered. Sentence. Some of some do cover it, some don't. Right. So, so you're that's saying that's really not a benefit. I, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but are you suggesting perhaps that insurance companies are doing this to make money off gullible women? <laughs> uh, well, not gullible women, gullible buyers. Uh, any benefit they offer, see, it's, let me put it this way: if I, as an insurance company, is offering you a benefit, it means I have done the research that offering you that benefit 
will not reduce my profitability in any way. Hmm. That benefit is just some fluff that most people will not really, uh, you know, take up and it will not reduce my profitability in any way. So that's why I'm offering you, it's, it's just window dressing, right? You hmm. can't go by that. So maternity benefits, outpatient uh, uh, claim, Ayush, that is homeopathy, uh, Ayurveda, they are not necessary. You know, you need a cover. When you go to a hospital for a serious illness, things like Ayurveda and homeopathy will not help you. You need modern medicine or whatever you want to call it. It's been modern for two centuries now or more than that. So, you need that. So, you don't need maternity, OPD, Ayush. And there's something called the comprehensive health check that they offer once a year. So, you can do a master checkup. Please don't do it. Even if you have that, because if you do the master checkup, you're giving data to the insurer. You are telling them how unhealthy you actually are, right? So, you, they're going to use that and say, the next time you, I'm going I'm to increase, I want to increase my cover. They'll say, look at your master checkup. I'm not going to increase your cover. So, don't do that. But that's so, raised an no interesting point. That. Why don't they Just, force you to do a health checkup every two years? I mean, if I was an uh, insurance they can't. company, <laughs> they, oh, can't. they can't. Oh, thank you, rules. Okay. They can't. The, thanks, thanks to the regulator, they can't. Uh, but but they offer it as a benefit and many people take it. That, that, that's important. No, you just pay out of your pocket. It's, you can take tax benefits. There are tax benefits out for it in mm. the old tax regime. But so you don't need this health checkup. Then there is something called no claim bonus, no claim yeah. discount, restore benefit. Uh, you know, no the, claim bonus they, I, I, I hear every year. Isn't it like a big thing? No, it's not. Just get <laughs> That's just window dressing to make you buy. And uh, it's 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 peanuts tossed to buyers, right? We shouldn't mm. get attracted by peanuts. And th there's something called daily cash benefit. Uh, so all these are unnecessary features. I mean, if it's there, it's there. But they should not be the reason I choose a company to be my insurer. That's my point. And th there are many such things. Any benefit that they offer you, typically, uh, in 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 bold font, where uh, in the brochure, if you look at the brochure, what's the first benefit they put on the front page? That's the benefit you ignore. And by the way, don't read brochures. When I say read terms and conditions, it means read the policy wordings. The policy wordings is a boring document, thirty pages long. You that is what you have to read. The brochure is is made is just an invitation for you know for you to buy. You can ignore it. Um, you know what the brochure tells you. It's a it's a document that tells you what to ignore. But the policy document is what you need to read through and through. So those are some of the conditions that you need to uh, features that you can get rid of. I mean, you know, and I'm sure important. in the minds of all our listeners, there's one question popping up or two. If these are not important, then what are the important ones that we should definitely look out for, uh, <laughs> and not buy an insurance so, without? Um, one of the most important is to look at what is known as the room rent sublimit. Now, uh, many of the PSU policies, that is the ones by United India, Oriental uh, and uh, New India, they come with what is known as a room rent sublimit. So, th that means if I have a policy for 5 lakhs, you cannot, uh, well, uh, they will only cover all expenses if the room rent is 1% of that 5 lakhs. That is 5,000. 5,000. Yeah. And the ICU should be 2%. So, it's 10,000. Then only they will cover all expenses. 
if your room rent or the ICU daily rent is greater than 1% or that 2% of that sum insured, then basically every hospital charge like nursing charges, doctor fees, uh, you know, diagnostic charges, everything is linked to room rent mm. except medicines and the implants that they are going to offer you. Every other hospital uh, charge is linked to the room fees that you are staying in and the ICU charges. The room categories, so as they say, during admission. Yes. So you can lose a significant amount of money if you stay in a, if you are forced to stay in a, ho a hospital where the room rent is, you know, greater than that 1% of that uh, sum insured or and the ICU is, uh, ICU rent is 2% of that sum insured. You lose a significant chunk of money. However, I want to make it uh, clear that the private players have offered uh, a policy with no such room rent sublimits only because they want that market share. The PSUs have got huge market share and they want to uh, eat into that market share and they want to offer this. Is that the a good enough reason to change? To change uh, from, from PSU uh, from to private? It, it can be. However, you must understand that once these uh, players uh, become established and they themselves have got uh, enough of uh, policy, they have sold enough policies and therefore they are now uh, facing enough claims, then at any time they can change your policy feature the, from the next year and say from next year, your policy will have a room rent sublimit. So this is the problem because nobody is uh, talking about this because there are very few uh, uh, unbiased voices about health insurance. Most people who talk about health insurance are people who sell policies for the private players uh, out in the social media. And they will say, port yourself, uh, shift from a PSU policy to a uh, private policy. But it's that benefit is not a given for a lifetime. It can change anytime. It depends on the profitability of the insurer. But that is a huge thing. It can, um, you can end up losing a a huge chunk of your money. In fact, uh, 30-40% of your hospital, maybe even 50% of your hospital bill can uh, not be paid Absolutely. because you have uh, you are forced to stay in a hospital uh, where the room rent is higher than that 1%. But what if you're in a situation so like this, one of the most which I've faced as well, sorry to interrupt, say it's your parents are getting hospitalized. Now at their senior age, 60 plus, 70 plus, you want them to be comfortable. You go for admission and they say, hey, your policy only allows you this 5,000 rupee, which is a triple sharing or a twin sharing. And you say, oh, at this age, you want comfort. You want them to have their own room, their own bathroom. It's quieter at night instead of having somebody moaning and groaning next to you. What do, is there a, a way around this? Either you are willing to pay that extra money for comfort, there's, or you have a private insurer who says, look, there's no room category limit. And so you can stay in the room you want. Right? Are those the two? That will work. I mean, uh, having a policy with no room rent sublimits is always preferable. But what I'm trying to tell you is that um, that is the benefit that you have today. Hmm. Uh, well, as long as you have it, enjoy it. It may not be around forever. That's all Fair I'm enough. saying. So, yes, I would say uh, if you can buy, a, if you can buy a policy with no room rent sublimits, yes, you should definitely buy it. Uh, Great. That's okay, so fine. room rent sublimit. And, Any yeah. other important ones but two? 
So uh, that's that's something that you look at before buying. And again, you'll have to look at the exclusions. So what what are the, the exclusions will never be mentioned in the brochure. You have to look at the terms and conditions uh, fully. So what are the conditions for which the insurer will never pay? And you will have to look at, uh, check if any of those conditions apply to you. If it does, then of course you are in trouble, which means if one insurer doesn't pay it, then probably all the others won't either. Then there, Can you there give are us many some people who can't get health insurance. Of what exclusions are? Um, I would say uh, exclusions typically would be cosmetic surgery, um, any experimental procedures, okay. right? Uh, any kind of uh, also uh, congenital conditions, right? Uh, autoimmune conditions um, uh, and if somebody has ca cancer they even if they've recovered from it they probably won't cover them and so on. so those so what a, a, so if you said maternity was not an important one do you think a cancer cover additional is is a smart buy because i know they're now in fashion for the last few years people are offering these cancer riders i think they're called or you know covers or something like that it depends i mean it, it depends on how much you can afford if you can afford it, yes. But you must be, uh, uh, see, it's the point is, if you have a history of cancer in your family, then you're going to have to disclose it. Then those guys will load up the premium. Either they will say, I won't give you cancer cover because you have a history of cancer cover. That sounds awful, but that's the reality. Or they're going to load up the premium so much that it's going to uh, pinch you. So uh, it's a problem. And the conditions in, under which they will cover would be, are the ones that you have to understand. Maybe they won't even cover normal chemotherapy. So, so there are many things that you have to consider. I would say first get yourself, first do the basics right. Then if you have money to blow, you can always get these add-ons uh, sure. later. So, so back to the basics, so room, rent, sublimate, yeah. exclusions, what next? And then uh, there's something called the waiting period. So okay. there are different types of waiting period. One is you can't claim immediately after you buy. Let's say you just bought a policy today and you can't go uh, and make a claim tomorrow. There'll be a cooling period of about one month or so, typically one month or two to four weeks. Which Varun had the... alluded to in his episode, right? About freelancers because he had an illness. Yeah. He can't claim anything for three years and then after that he can claim. Yes. And so that is a different thing. So the waiting periods have got different types of... One sure. is this cooling period which you can't make any kind of claim then there is a waiting period for all pre-existing conditions sure so that can range from four years to two years again the private players made it attractive so they looked at the PSU policies and the, all the PSU policies have a waiting period of about four years so if i'm diabetic and if i get insured uh, then for the first four years of coverage i can't claim for any hospitalization uh, directly or maybe even obliquely linked to diabetes. So that's a problem. That, uh, sometimes the claims can be re rejected even if it is not directly linked. That's a different issue, but this is the rule. So, diabetes uh, for me, Patu so is a... Said, sorry, if I may take a few minutes of your time on diabetes, it's a very touchy topic for me because I've kind of read about it a lot. Right? I, I watch lectures for hours on the low-carb diet and how it helps, etc. Et Say, for example, we have a, a, a friend a close person who has a regular insurance policy, is living a nice, comfortable, healthy life and suddenly, you know, notices some symptoms, goes for some tests. The doctor says, hey, you're pre-diabetic. You should 
do this treatment for three months. And I know for a fact, and of course, uh, please don't take my advice. Please take the advice of a medical practitioner. But I know for a fact that on a low-carb diet and, uh, and changing your lifestyle, you can reverse diabetes. Say if your numbers are back to normal and you're in brackets cured, say within three or four months, what should you do at the time of renewal of the next year's policy? Should you reveal that this happened? Should you reveal that you're normal, that you have? What would you recommend? See, if... Uh... First of all, um, I'm a fan of the low-carb diet too and I have not uh, eaten any kind of rice or wheat for the last six years. So Hasn't it changed made, your life? Uh, absolutely. I've, I've lost a lot of weight. It's made me fitter. But that's probably something we can talk about. Let's uh, do 10 length. episodes on but, that. <laughs> I can talk for hours <laughs> on this topic. Yeah, it, it is. So, it's it, the, 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 I mean, Indians... Uh, are getting di uh, are get becoming diabetic more oh, and more an because of the insane insane amount of carbs they eat because the, uh, like i say there there's really no true non vegetarian in india there are uh, only people who eat meat occasionally you the, haven't met me but, but everybody in person <laughs> <laughs> most of them <laughs> more, uh, most people eat a ton of carbs yeah uh, i mean wake you, up in the you morning you want your idli dosa you want your upma for lunch, you have rice and dal and you have a chapati bhaji. For dinner, you have... Yeah, it's the Indian diet, so, unfortunately. So, diabetes is waiting for you. No, yeah. a ton of carbs with no physical activity, diabetes is just waiting for you down Absolutely. the line. So, uh, but coming to your question, there are two situations here. Let us say a person already has an insurance policy. Then, uh, he or she becomes pre-diabetic or whatever, diabetic and so on. Then, instead of taking the going the conventional uh, route of me, uh, Western medicine, they do this low carb thing. They change their lifestyle, and their HbA1c levels are normal, and they they have become normal now. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all to the insurer. Once you had declared yourself to be diabetic to the insurer in in such a situation, it doesn't matter if you become normal later on they are still going to load you the same. However, um, let's say I don't have a policy at the moment, but I want to buy a policy. I do a medical check uh, checkup and I find that uh, I, have, I have the onset of diabetes. I am pre-diabetic. Then I uh, change my lifestyle, make my HbA1c no, uh, levels normal. Then after... Um, how much is it? Uh, two years or three years, I can apply for a health insurance policy. Assuming my HbA1c levels are normal all the time, I can then. I'm not obligated to declare my uh, earlier diabetes, uh, no, uh, diabetes uh, health test uh, as a pre-existing condition. So a pre-existing condition has got a stipulation of any disease or condition or symptom that existed for the last. Uh, 24 months, if I'm not wrong, some people may, some insurers may also extend it a little longer, but it depends. I would say at least two years. So if, if you have been normal for the last two years, you can, you can apply for a new policy without declaring your, uh, you know, old uh, test. So it depends. So, Fair but enough. it's, it can become yeah. complicated. Yeah. All right. So, so room rent, then, yeah. um, exclusions, waiting period. Anything else? Yeah. 
So uh, in the waiting period itself, like I said, there's a cooling off waiting period. No claim for the first 30 days. Then there is a waiting period for two to four years for the pre-existing condition, any pre-existing condition. Then policies will have specific waiting periods for specific diseases. There are different kinds of diseases. For example, uh, a person has got hemorrhoids or a person has got uh, sinus, sinusitis and so on, etc. Et there can be specific waiting periods for specific conditions. That also one should look at because we may come in under those and we should understand uh, when we can actually make the claim. Because many times in all these social forums, they say my claim has been denied. What can I do? It's injustice. And then somebody will say, go to consumer court, go to this court and so on. But if you actually look at the nitty gritty, you will notice that this person has made a claim when they should not have. Right. Yeah. When the when the condition was actually excluded. So that's where the awareness uh, and the labor that you put into read the TNC makes a difference. So that that makes a huge difference. So, OK, so then moving on to a entirely different question, Patu, right? We've spoken about the important things, the stuff we should disregard in insurance policies. Now, let's go back to that slight debate of uh, salaried versus uh, freelancers, right? So a salaried person is employed in a nice big company who offers them insurance under a group insurance scheme. Say he's 25 years old. However, at 25, if you were to buy a private health insurance, it would probably cost him, I don't know, 10,000 bucks for a, a good amount of cover, right? Maybe 10 lakh or maybe 5 lakh, something like that. But he knows he's employed for the next 15, 20 years and the company is offering fantastic medical insurance. Everything's covered. His parents are covered. His spouse is covered or her spouse is covered. Is the math makes sense to continue to buy that private insurance from day one, despite having a group cover? I know people who have, uh, who became hospitalized in the two weeks <laughs> that they had from uh, one, one job, job to, to the other. They switched from one job to the other. It took two weeks for the paperwork for the HR to, you know, include them in the policy, etc, etc. And all in that two weeks, they got uh, hospitalized and they had to pay from their pocket. So it's a huge risk. And um, suddenly if there is industry wide layoffs and uh, you get laid off from your company. You can't go anywhere else. Uh, it's a, uh, you can't uh, handle that. And uh, especially for people who have no other option uh, for for I mean, many people get group cover only f uh, for their parents, only from their employers. That's a right. huge risk to take. So there, there must be a private policy. And like I said, when you're young, you can take a small cover just to, uh, you know, you can start with three lakhs, four lakhs, five lakhs. And then you can every year gradually increase it. I increase my cover uh, by 50,000 rupees every year. For the last from 2007 onwards only recently i increased uh, jacked it up a bit but that's it's, it's not going to be so difficult i mean your increase in pay your bonuses will take care of that little extra expense that you have so uh, a private policy is is mandatory sure and, but i won't let you go so easily yeah. Patu. one question i have is suppose somebody does not take a private policy right and just has a group uh, you know where he's employed he has that group cover and he retires at whatever, 55, maybe 60, and then says, oh, I need my personal insurance, medical insurance. At that stage, does it become unaffordable or is it still affordable if he is at 55 or 60? Um, first of all, um, 
okay speaking of affordability we'll uh, we'll have to talk about group covers but uh, th there are some people i know who have switched from a group cover to the policy of the same insurer that is they have talked to the insurer and said look i I'm, i've been working in this company for the last few years i have had their uh, group cover offered by you now i want to uh, uh, get out of the company can i switch from my group cover to your private policy some people have got it some people have, have been denied so it's a it's very risky and it can be a very expensive thing there there will be conditions the company will say uh the, that some things can be excluded for your parents we will not do this and that so it's a big risk and i would say uh, don't delay that and uh, buy a private policy as soon as possible when you're young but speaking of affordability group covers have also become very expensive in the last few years uh because uh, 10 years ago the the psus the public sector undertakings the united india new india and uh, oriental they had a market share of about 60% and the rest was by the player, private players uh, 20 years ago the the psus were the behemoths they had the uh, almost the entire market share got it so uh, if you look at the private players there are two types of private players one is the general insurer uh, companies like icici insurance uh, hdfc ergo and so on these are companies that they offer health policies as well as a vehicle insurance fire insurance accidents insurance etc etc other kinds of insurance then you have the standalone health insurance guys uh, these are players like uh, uh, Niva Bupa, Manipal Signa, Care Health, etc., etc. These are about five or six of them, Star Health. They offer only health insurance. Now, these guys uh, saw that, saw the corporate route as a nice way to, you know, get market share. So, they offered the corporate policies at very cheap rates to the employers. And they said, uh, with all kind of nice fancy benefits. Uh, but during the last few years, their claim experience has been very poor. COVID has been a contributing factor. And many of the benefits of these group policies have been removed or they have been made, the whole policy itself has been made more expensive. For example, earlier parents were covered uh, at a nominal cost. But now you will have to pay a lot more for covering your parents. And uh, the parent uh, insurance covers will come at a with a copay clause that is the you have to pay, pay 10% or 20% of, of the of the cover and the insurer will take care of the rest so uh, the group policy is also very expensive so um, of course it, you, it, you you don't feel like it is expensive because you're not paying for it you feel exactly. like the company is paying for yeah. it but but it's all the same thing uh, it would just means if the group policy has become more expensive then the rate at which your salary is going to increase in the future will come down by that amount so interesting it, uh, yeah so and it, if an individual been, had to yeah. buy his own private insurance or her private insurance which of those three categories would you suggest psu general insurance players or these people who are focused only on health insurance for some reason the way we are programmed to think is the person focusing only on that one thing would be the best option but clearly not um so it's uh, broadly it is psu versus private that's the distinction i would say a person in a um in a non metro city in a tier 2 or a uh, even a tier 1 city uh, if they can have hospitals nearby 
which are not that expensive hmm. you know then uh, the psu policy is okay because these psu policies come with a room rent sublimit of 1% or uh, 1% room rent 2% icu charge that i talked about uh, it's okay to we can manage with that kind of a psu policy in a non metro city in a metro city there are very few hospitals that are cheap that are exactly. reasonable and even if they are reasonable i know of a hospital which is run by a religious institute uh it is meant to be you know uh for the low poor. expense yeah. but uh yeah so uh, i um uh, took a friend for a hospitalization just a few months ago and i noticed their rates have jacked up by a huge amount i asked around and they told me that a team from a corporate hospital has had visited them and told them uh, how to remain profitable and how the only way to do that is to you know jack up rates so it's happening everywhere there's no uh, no one's uh, the uh, uh, special or uh, excluded from this whole r- rat race and uh, which means that in a in a metro you you need a policy with a uh, which does not have any kind of sublimits which means that you need a policy with a private player right i have right. managed to get away although in a metro i am in chennai i have managed to get away with it with a, a psu policy i have a policy from united india i managed to get away with it but uh, but the rate at which the hospital bills are increasing the inflation in hospital expenses is is enormous it's at least 10% it is probably more than that but it's at least 10% whereas your uh, you can't keep increasing your cover at that rate because the your premiums will you know start pinching your pocket so you need a cover with a uh, no room sub rent supplement which means a private player now if you look at among the private players do you need to go for a general insurer or a standalone insurer i would say exactly. it doesn't matter i would yeah, oh, it doesn't make a big difference uh, so with the size yeah, of the company that's, that's and the, the and the the number of policies they handle make a difference and is that data easily available who do you trust it's available in the annual report of the regulator the irda annual report has this it's not easy to find it but you can find it if you spend a few minutes on on it um typically i would say avoid a company that has been paying out a lot of claims so you have something called the claim incurred ratio uh just like the uh, life insurance has got a claim settlement ratio you can't have claim settlement in health insurance because in life insurance you pay the, either the claim is paid or the claim is denied it's binary whereas in right. uh, health insurance they can pay 10% of your uh, claim and say they have paid the claim right so you can't have a claim settlement ratio defined for health insurance policy that's not possible but you can have what is known as a claim uh, incurred claim ratio which is a profitability measure so that's basically the claims paid in a year divided by the premiums collected in a year right so if that uh, uh, if that ratio is close to 1 that means you have lost all the money you have collected as premiums to claims yeah absolutely right? so uh, that happened recently for a company uh, in the last few years it sold policies aggressively and therefore it's uh, uh, it had the highest market share among private players but then that means it also had the highest number of claims, claims yeah which also means it had to pay out the most amount of money uh, among the privates and therefore it incurred claim ratio became very high 
So if the mm. for the PSUs, the incurred claim ratio is greater than hundred, uh, greater than one, which right. means that they they are losing money constantly. So the government is supporting them, right? Uh, and whereas if private for private players above one, just avoid them, right? Is what it, you're saying. It, it cannot be it for a for a corporate. It cannot be avoid one. It above one. It they even won't if survive, it is eighty right? percent. Yeah. No, no, they, they will, uh, I mean, they have stockholders to, shareholders to answer. So, the highest I've seen is 0. 0.8. And even and that… what's a uh, healthy limit? 0. 0.25, 0. 0.1? Does it go it, as low as that? It, it, it can't be too low. If it is too low, which mean, that means they're not paying out claims at all. Mm. <laughs> so, what's the healthy middle ground? Um, I don't… See, the incurred claim ratio is more a profitability thing. You can't use it for… Uh, you know, uh, as a, you can't say if my incurred claim ratio is uh, good, then I will get my claims. That's not the kind of equation that it has. But I would say avoid a company who, where the incurred claim ratio is has increased a lot suddenly or is mm. consistently high. Then you are in trouble. Then they will have to charge you more and more. The premiums will, uh, will become more and more expensive. So, uh, so I would say look for a player uh, with reasonable experience. And not too much market share. If the if the person has got low market share, I mean, it can't be so low that they're going to shut down. But reasonable experience, they, they have to be around for about 10 years or so. So, they're not going to go anywhere suddenly. And not too much market share, then you the benefits will stay for a long time. Interesting. Here's an interesting this question, Patu. easy to find. Yeah. See, in life, pure term insurance, um, you know, I buy, I can buy three policies, for example, one crore each, right? And if I pass away, my family gets the benefit of all three policies, right? In medical insurance, how does it work? Um, can I buy, say, two policies or three policies and say, for example, I have a surgery worth five lakh. Can I claim the five lakh from all three or is that fraud? No, uh, first of all, you cannot, the, there's a limit to the amount of life insurance you can have. Because when you buy one life insurance policy and when you buy the second one, let's say B, when you apply for B, you have to declare that you have A. Yes, yes. And when you apply for C, you have to declare that you have A and B. But then the, the insurer C will look at your uh, net worth, will look at your annual income and will also look at the total amount that has already been insured. And they will say you already have enough insurance uh, that uh, you don't need it. So, we're going to deny that. So, so there's a limit. But there is no limit to the number of health insurance policies you can buy. However, you cannot claim for the same expense. Uh, you can, uh, what you can do is, for, you can choose. For example, almost all uh, group policies have got maternity benefits. Right. Whereas, like I mentioned earlier, maternity benefit is not a key factor for you in choosing your private policy. So, if you have a, a child coming up, you can pick and choose which you are going to claim. There can, there can be one policy which has got a specific waiting period for a specific condition. And that may not be there in another policy. So, you can choose. But that's really not, that's a bit of an overkill. I would say one good policy is... Is more than sufficient for most people. Fair enough. And quickly over to this entire topic of porting, which means I have an existing policy, I've been paying it for 10 years, and suddenly I find something attractive in another policy. Is it like a mobile phone subscription of mine where I just port the same number to another player? 
how does it affect my premium how does it affect my the summer short or the the you know the cover etc so the idea of porting is uh, theoretically is that let's say um, i have a condition uh, a pre existing condition and i applied i bought insurer a uh, a policy from insurer a and uh, after 4 years that pre existing condition is now uh, claimable i can now claim if i have a you know condition with now if i go to another insurer b if i buy a separately individually then that insurer b will say you have to wait another uh, another 4 years for claiming making a claim for that uh, you know condition but if i port from a to b then that waiting period will also get transferred the benefit of the waiting period will also get transferred you don't need to wait hmm. however applying for porting is a right right which is not much of a right which is just basically filling up a form applying is right is a right getting it is not a right the insurer b will say you are not a healthy person i don't want you in my insurance pool hmm. so i cannot your porting application is denied that happens most of the time so if you are unhealthy porting is very very hard these days also even in even if you are healthy uh, the typical reasons one of the most important reasons why people port is expense suddenly they find that the um, premium has jacked up by a huge amount the insurance a because of their uh, poor profitability or higher claims experience they have increased the premium and uh, they get oh this is unfair uh, they they do all sort of rants here and there and say i want to port but what is the guarantee that the same will not happen with insurance b, uh, insurer b also so it's a case of you can run but you can't hide so uh, i mean how how often can you uh, port I mean, you can port any number of times but there's a limit i mean there's a uh, it's not practical so sometimes it's better to just be where you are it's good be loyal right uh, lo- no, not loyal is too much <laughs> these guys don't deserve our loyalty <laughs> yeah um, be loyal some, for your own some... sake not for their sake yeah um one final question coming to mind uh, on this unending discussion which could run into several episodes is uh, this entire debate between getting individual cover versus a family floater cover what are your thoughts about that and when is the moment right to convert an individual cover to a family cover and what are the advantages so um let's say we have a uh, there's a there's a family of uh, let's say five people so you have the the husband the wife the child and then the in-laws the the parents of either spouse so in uh, what i would suggest is get a floater cover for the husband wife and child assuming that all of them are healthy and get a separate floater cover for the in-laws first of all what's a floater cover patu floater cover essentially so it means that uh, in an individual cover is easy to understand if i have a 5 lakh individual cover it means that up to 5 lakhs i'm covered right but uh, if both of us have a floater cover of 5 lakhs it means that uh, cumulatively we are only covered cumulatively our our hospital bills up to 5 lakhs uh, will covers which means that if i take up if my hospitalization takes up 5 lakhs and you have an hospitalization subsequently your bill will not be covered 
because that phylac is I have eaten away there. So uh, coming back to this family, the 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 point to understand in a floater cover is that there are two factors that uh, uh, decide the premium. One is the age of the person who is in the uh, group. The oldest person determines the premium. So, mm. naturally, the oldest person in such a family is going to be the in-laws. So, that's why I say, uh, remove the in-laws from the floater plan. Cover only the husband, wife and the child or the children. Keep the Buy a separate policy for the in-laws because one, they're older. Two, they may have some pre-existing conditions. And uh, even uh, among the husband, wife and children, if one of them is particularly sick or have fragile health, remove them out from the uh, floater cover and get a cover for the rest of the people. That person can be go got an individual cover or it may be such that they may, they may, they cannot be insured. So, th there's a situation. So, these are the things. The health of the uh, people in the uh, pool and the age of the people in the pool. That's what decides what you buy. It's always advisable to have buy a separate cover for the uh, senior citizens in the or those who are uh, close to that age. Uh, in the family. And so on that note, uh, a discussion which has taken two episodes and plenty more on the second episode and could go on for many more. We'll wait for your questions as well, dear listeners. The show is nothing without you. We urge you to please send in all your feedback, uh, questions, suggestions for further topics, etc, etc. Anything you found questionable about our discussion on medical insurance, please just be in touch. The show is nothing without you. On that note, Pattu, how do we sum this two-part episode up? What is the important part to take home after discussing so many intricate details? So, let's look at this from the point of view of a buyer. There are many, many people who have not bothered to get themselves uh, private policies, health insurance policies because they're scared. So, uh, I think let's do a checklist of the factors that they need to look for uh, while buying a policy. So, I would say the first thing is look at the waiting period and the exclusions. And as long as the waiting periods and exclusions are reasonable, that's okay. For example, a waiting period of two years is quite okay. It's quite reasonable because you're going to hold this policy for the next three decades, four decades of your life. Uh, how many hospitalizations are going to happen for that particular conditions in the first two years? At max one. You can take the chance of, you know, paying th that out from your pocket and after that, the health insurance will kick in. So, that's quite reasonable. So, uh, you can't, uh, uh, it's like trying to wait for the perfect bride. You will never get married. Uh, you, uh, it doesn't happen. So, you, it has to be reasonable. So, as long as the waiting period and exclusions are reasonable, that's a first check. The next is there should not be any copay uh, conditions in the policy. Uh, some of the policy insurers will cover only if you are willing to do a 10% copay, 20% copay. That is, you share 20% or 10% of the bill and so on. Uh, that's bad. From the from day one, when you're young, uh, that's not a good thing. So there should not be any copay. And like I mentioned, there should not be any room rent sublimits. Of course, uh, with a caveat that all these benefits can change down the line. But these are the benefits today. You can enjoy them while you have them. And uh, because of our technological changes, many of the minor operations that required overnight stay uh, have changed to a daycare procedures uh, in the hospital. For example, 
uh, treatment for piles, treatment for cataract, etc., etc. Except when uh, you know when the when the patient has got other conditions that need to be monitored and so on, overnight stay is not necessary. There is a myth that uh, overnight stay is necessary for insurance cover. That is not the case. There are thousands of daycare procedures. So a good number of daycare procedures, if the policy covers, then that's a uh, that's a good thing to have, and that's a the next thing to check. And uh, where are you likely going to be hospitalized? Typically, you will be hospitalized in the in the hospitals close to you, right? And the in the neighboring hospitals, either close to where you live or where you work. That is the probability of hospitalization. Of course, it can happen anywhere, but that's where the probability is higher. Find out whether these hospitals are in the network list. That is the list where you can claim cashless. So the, a network hospital means you can go to the hospital, show them your insurance card and you can apply for cashless benefit uh, there. If it is a non-network hospital, you cannot do that. You have to do via uh, a reimbursement claim. Then there is a third kind of hospital called a blacklisted hospital where the rates are you know, so exorbitant that the insurer will not cover even via reimbursement. So we should check that our neighborhood hospitals don't follow fall in the blacklisted category, and they are in the network uh, uh, list of network hospitals. So that's a that's again again a good thing to have. Uh, what I would suggest is have a healthy relationship with a family doctor. Have a family doctor. The notion of family physicians have gone down in the present uh, age because of uh, super Absolutely. specialists and so yeah. on. But always have a family doctor and every time you get hospitalized you uh, ask for a referral through your family doctor and make your family doctor come to the hospital uh, once a day or maybe even once in a few days and let him oversee the procedure because he will ensure even if you apply for cashless the hospital doesn't you know take you for a ride and uh, add uh, xyz uh, uh, tests and procedures extra so the family doctor plays a very important role in you know uh, in the whole thing in your in your wellness as well. Oh, and, fascinating um, insight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I I had stories. So I I, uh, I I've been an attender, a patient attender for several days. In fact, I, I once went one month non-stop as a patient attender for my father. So oh. I used to talk uh, to the security guards, to people in the insurance sector and I, I, I get to know what the hospital does and that's how it so some some of these hospitals take you for a ride and oh, I know a situation no yeah, so, uh, so it's really you have to be very careful so that's why I said the, the dolak thing you, you, you are uh, you are facing the heat from both uh, corporate establishments yeah. so you have to be careful there and uh, so one final aspect that we probably have not touched is uh, the idea of a super top up insurance I'll, I'll mention that briefly so sure. uh, we started with this whole episode with how much insurance is enough for me and i said uh, at least well, how much did i say 10% 20% of your uh, take home pay i forgot what it is you said, said yeah. 25% Something would be a good bench 25, and it 25%. would cost you 10% of that cover as your premium yeah <laughs> thank you so about that but there can be situations where um, even that can be expensive uh, where let's say that amount is uh, uh, 10 lakhs. Uh, can I buy a 10 lakh policy straight up or is there a way to reduce my expense? So the way to do that is to 
split this cover where you buy a five lakh a normal cover which also colloquially called as a base insurance cover and then you buy uh, another 10 lakhs as what is known as a super top of insurance you can top of the policy the idea is basically it's a game of probability you say that look uh, most inch uh, hospital bills are going to be a few lakhs so uh, i can pay that with my base policy of, of up to five lakhs but uh, for those uh, uh, extraordinary hospitalizations which is going to cost more than five lakhs I will have a backup uh, by what is the super top of insurance. The super top of insurance is something that has a deductible, which means that it will not pay up to a certain amount, but after that it will cover and you can have the deductible set as 5 lakhs. So up to 5 lakhs you have your base policy and beyond that uh, your super top of insurance will kick in. So the idea of doing that is that the because the super top of only pays beyond 5 lakhs, it is much less expensive. Uh, right. than your base policy. So instead of paying a 10 lakh base cover, you can have a 5 lakh base cover and a 5, uh, or a, and a five lakh super top of insurance. The cost will be much lower. But of does course, it work the nuances. same way? Uh, For example, uh, so if you have an 8 lakh expense. Yeah. yeah. So if you have an 8 lakh expense, uh, the, um, the base policy will cover 5 lakhs right. and the super top will cover 3 lakhs. Of course, there are nuances to the uh, the whole thing where you have a something called a top up insurance, super top up insurance, and so on. But I don't want to get to that uh, uh, in this episode. Maybe we can do something else later on if there is enough interest among. Uh, uh, but this has but been the longest just, farewell I mean, message. Uh, it's almost like half an episode <laughs> <laughs> because there's so much to talk yeah, about, I, right? I, I have one final yeah, question: seems, Is so there I, any policy that yeah. covers consultation fees of doctors? which can be so expensive, especially in metros. No, 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 no. You need a hospitalization. Typically, no. You need... A, 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 a. There are pre-hospitalization and post-hospitalization fees. So, for example, when you know that you're going to have a surgery done, then the bills, the doctor bills, the doctor fees before the hospitalization and after the hospitalization for two weeks yeah. are covered. But not typically. For if you just go have a you know typical viral fever and you have a you just go sure. down, that's not covered. It has to have an hospitalization linked with it. Emergency fund always first, the foundation. On that note, uh, Patu, thank you so much. And there's so many pending questions. Our listeners will suggest questions. Our team will suggest questions, and this may go on. Maybe we'll touch upon medical insurance again someday. But for today, thank you so much for joining us all on Let's Get Rich with Patu. Uh, be in touch and Patu, I'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. After that amazing conclusion to all things MediClaim and health insurance, it is now time to jump on the FinEd wagon and learn some financial jargon. Number 1. Riders Add-ons to the main insurance cover like toppings to a pizza. Number 2. PSU Public Sector Undertaking Number 3. Super Top-Up A super top-up policy helps you to enhance your health insurance cover in case the existing sum insured is insufficient to cover your medical expenses. That's all for now, dear listeners. More next week. Stay tuned. You just heard Let's Get Rich with Pattu, an Offspin original. Isn't it the coolest show you've heard in the Indian podcasting space? And even if it isn't, what's the point of getting rich alone, right? Share this show with those you care about and perhaps even with those you don't care about. 
But make sure you share this show with only those who you don't mind being richer than you. The music on this show was created by Pattu's biggest fan, Rajesh Ravi, and everyone on the Offspin team had some part or the other to play on the show. Let me name them quickly: Harshdi Nasrani, Krishant Das, Sandeep Banerjee, Arif Chagla, Anand Krishnan, Rajesh Ravi, and Heer Khan. Heer, by the way, is also to be blamed for giving Pattu his gangster look, which is how he looks on a daily basis. Um, and me, Siddhant, your host. Let's get rich is available on all audio platforms wherever you consume your podcasts. So spread the word, and we'll see you next week. You know we do this show only to help you guys, right? But if you're listening and you're that one person who has perhaps lost money and are holding it against Pattu or me for making you lose that money, then not only are you a mean person, but you also need to listen to this legal disclaimer. This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any financial advice. Views expressed are not official positions of financial institutions or Pattu or mine for that matter. Although we strongly believe in them, listen to this disclaimer even more carefully. We recommend consulting a qualified professional before making decisions. We disclaim liability for inaccuracies or losses from using this information in our show. By listening you agree that the host, guests and producers are not only awesome people, but they are not responsible for your financial decisions or outcomes. 